HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Heritage Radio Network. We're going to be talking about beer and music. And why not? Because it's actually New York City Beer Week. And uh, we've got some great guests. And uh, there's actually a lot of music going on with beer all over town this week. So let's go around the room and let's all introduce ourselves. So I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host, Chris. How you doing? I'm Chris Maestro, the founder and principal owner of Beer Wax Brooklyn and Beer Wax Queens. All right, Sam. Hello, Sam Calagione, brewer and founder of Dogfish Head. All right, and Jamie. I'm Jamie Quelly, and I am the founder and owner and CEO of Forgotten Boardwalk Brewing in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. All right. Well, we're, this whole theme is beer and music, and, and really because of you, Jamie. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, you're the new kid on the block. Tell us about your your brewery and uh, your love of music, and what you said before. What you said before about uh, all the washed up musicians. Yeah, I love that you guys think I'm the new kid on the block. After ten years, I feel like this industry has aged me some. Um, yeah, so uh, beer. Uh, what I've always said is that the the people that are in the beer industry are basically has-beens that couldn't make it in the music industry. I am without question that person. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you, you've been re- so you've been releasing some a lot of beers with music themes, right? Yeah, so um, we've done plenty of beer and music inspired stuff. Uh, for me, it was a little bit of a creative outlet. It was a way to sort of after almost 10 years of Forgotten Boardwalk and telling the history of the Jersey Shore and shark attacks and shipwrecks. Um, it was just sort of a creative outlet, especially during COVID to sort of branch out and start talking about the music and bringing a really personalization into what it was that we were doing. So we've done everything from Pearl, uh, Pearl Jam, Orville Peck, St. Vincent, Dogs in a Pile, The War on Drugs, and now we're releasing a Bruce Springsteen-inspired beer. 
Um, so some of them have been official collaborations. Some of them are just things that we sort of work on to try to retell or recreate a story of a music band lyric album persona. So um, for me, it was like a selfish thing that I started to do. Uh, and now it's just kind of morphed into something, uh, something else, uh, quite frankly, but we're having a lot of fun with it. What about Bruce Springsteen? What about Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> you like him? Is he, is I love. You have I, a beer named after him. Yeah, so we got a we got a beer coming out of the tanks. It's called the Cops Finally Busted Madame Marie, uh, which is based off of his lyric from you know the Fourth of July, Sandy. And uh, we did a lime lager. It's very New Jersey, very Jersey Shore. Bruce Springsteen created the Jersey Shore, but this uh, inspired beer for us is definitely more online with the ethos of Forgotten Boardwalk uh, because we like to tell so much story and nostalgia and history. Um, most people don't actually know that Madame Marie is a, or was a real fortune teller that was telling fortunes in uh, Asbury Park for seven decades. She was the longest running tenant in Asbury Park. Um, and that stand and booth is still there today. You could go and visit it. Her two granddaughters are now the clairvoyants in charge. So this entire beer was not just about Bruce for us. It was a little bit about, you know, the shore, Asbury Park, you know, the the nostalgia, the history. Um, so it was a lot of fun to bring it together. We worked with Steve Moore, who did um, animation and storyboards from Despicable Me and A Nightmare Before Christmas. So it, it just, it's one of the cooler beers that we've done and the cooler labels that we've done in the past 10 years. That's cool. Hey, so you're in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Correct. And uh, just quick, quick uh, backstory. How and why did you open a brewery? How and why I opened a brewery? Well, why is I think I got drunk one day and it was probably at Sam Caligione's place. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, and I thought it was a good idea. Um, I was an avid home brewer with my best friend in my high school, uh, buddy for, he's now my best friend for 21 years, um, and Flying Fish Brewing, which was located right here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I'm in the exact same building that they vacated when they started to expand. Um, so uh, we saw the opportunity, this building was vacant for maybe like six or seven months and we decided to jump on it. Wow. Well, that's that's good. You got some good bones, right? Is that what yeah, you say? Yeah, yeah. The building has some like good energy. How's that? Yeah. Oh, great. And let's go down. We're gonna go down the Jersey Shore. I never quite know where the Jersey Shore ends, but somehow you get into Delaware with with a dogfish head. Sam, t t let's let's hear about you and a dogfish head and music. Yeah. Well, I didn't get to start homebrew until later than Jamie did, starting in high schools pretty pretty inspiring so i <laughs> i was a, a beer uh lover i was uh saying earlier uh to chris that i was born in flushing queens but my parents moved me out of new york city when i was a year and a half uh and grew up in western mass and my dad was drinking uh you know he was having anchor uh little anchor steam and sam adams lager and uh Moosehead were the beers that I was stealing from him in high school, but I wasn't homebrewing in high school. And then uh, graduated from college, moved back to New York City, and that's when I started homebrewing. Like within uh, a year of moving out of my uh, moving out of college, and then two or I guess a year and a half later, I opened Dogfish Head. It was the first uh, brewery in the state of Delaware to open since Prohibition, and right from the 
when we opened, we had the dubious distinction of being the smallest commercial brewery in America. Uh, for context, back then in 95, there was about 600 breweries in America. There's about 10,000 now. Um, and we always had a stage. You know, we started in a brew pub and our Holy Trinity was original beer, original food, original music. So right from the get-go, unlike a lot of other, you know, brewery, you know, restaurants at the beach that had a lot of Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett cover bands and stuff, we were booking original only music and sometimes it'd be, you know, local regional bands. But We've had uh, everyone from The Strokes to uh, Bela Fleck, uh, Jonathan Richmond, Japanese Breakfast, Chicano Batman, uh, uh, Deltron 3030, a bunch of amazing bands uh, uh, grace our stage. And uh, yeah, so music kind of is central to everything we do for our mission. We're, we're proud to be the official brewery of Record Store Day. And we've been at that for about 10, 10 years and done uh, collaborative uh you know, beer and music projects with everyone from uh, The Grateful Dead and uh, uh, Flaming Lips, Miles Davis's family, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Deltron 3030, Guided by Voices. So, yeah, that's uh, been a big part of our, our, our brand's uh, 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 journey. Wow. Sam, look, pick one of those, you know, music collaborations. Just, just let's dive into it. What, was there an interesting one that you want to talk about, like the process? Uh, and did the was the beer influenced by the music, or is it more about the the packaging and everything? I'd say beer influenced by music. Some each project was kind of different. Um, for example, I'll use the one with Wayne Coyne, who's still a buddy of mine from from Flaming Lips, where you know we got on the phone and and talked about the ingredients and the recipes and what from a culinary perspective, he'd be interested in recipes. And then he wrote four songs where the ingredients, dragon fruit and yum yum uh, fruit were uh, were characters in the songs. Uh, so he created a four song EP with these original songs that spoke to kind of the beer recipe. Um, and so, and he created a music video around that. So that was a really like back and forth one. Whereas, you know, collaborating with Miles Davis's family for Bitches brew that he'd already passed away, so I got I got to spend time with, you know, Miles's nephew at Electric Landlady or Electric Lady uh, Studio in New York, uh, which is Hendrix label, late, uh, you know, recording studio, and and Miles's nephew played on the album. You know, it was it was Miles wasn't there himself to collaborate, but having the family members was pretty special. So each one's totally different, but that's two two different genre of music uh, examples. That's great. So you're not just one genre. No, and to Jamie's point, there's a failed musician in each of us. And yeah, I got me and Brian. <laughs> Brian Sellers, our our, brew, our our longest tenure brewer. We have uh, the, we have probably the finest beer geek hip hop band of our generation called the Pain Relievers, and we put out two albums. We're also the only you know beer geek hip hop band of our generation, but we're 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 very proud of that as well. <laughs> you definitely spiced up the show, Sam. Uh, now, Chris, I'm back in New York City, so the coolest Japanese record bar in America. I appreciate Chris, that. Chris at Beer Wax. But tell us what you're doing for, for um, Beer Week tonight. Yeah, tonight, uh, it's kind of a change of pace. Typically, we, we spin, you know, jazz, funk, soul, hip-hop on vinyl at the bar. Uh, tonight, it's usually a, a once-a-year tradition for Beer Week. Uh, we're doing a metal vinyl night. So we have KCBC, Alewife. Uh, Fifth Hammer and Return Brewing coming out 
Uh, folks from breweries will be spinning vinyl. Folks that don't know that this is happening will come in and maybe walk out, but that's okay. So, but it's it's something I look forward to. You don't usually have metal, right? No, no, very very rarely. So, you know, uh, but I'm a metalhead uh, by heart. I grew up in uh, in Flushing, Queens. It's funny to hear that Sam was born there. Uh, but uh, you know, I was actually a metalhead with a mullet uh, when I was in my my early teens. But then hip hop. Uh, became my my central focus, and that I kind of caught the bug of hip hop, and and it's amazing that you know this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop, uh, so so much of what we do uh, is really tethered to uh, hip hop culture. Uh, so and it's really how I have come into this whole thing, and the beer part came later in my in my mid twenties. Yeah, hey Jamie, you got some uh, really cool beers coming out. I, I'm interested in your beers, like. I saw oh, that you, you do a cask program. Um, you had there was one post about a, a best bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just did a bitter. Yeah, um, we Forgotten Boardwalk has for the past ten years very much tried to to make a portfolio of beers. Um, I know that there's an entire haze craze going on, and then you know we have the pastry stouts that went that kind of came in through. Um, but we very much like to make very standard, very classic, true to style beers. Um, and we started our, our ten years ago with a a first freaking Friday program, which we always had casks on, and we continue that to this day. Um, so to continue to do classic styles is super important for us. Yeah, keep going. First, first freaking <laughs> Friday. That's the coolest thing I've heard in a long time. Thank you. I mean, New Jersey hasn't shut it down just yet, right? Uh, New Jersey and their beer laws. It's kind of like one of those ways that, like, for us at Forgotten Boardwalk to to be to get people in the door. We're not really allowed in New Jersey to have very many special events. If I could have a stage in here and have bands in here, I would do it every single weekend. It would be a, a love of mine. Um, but like first working Friday was one of those ways of like, how do we get people interested in beer and interested in the old style methods of, of serving beer? Um, but then again, it also like has morphed into its own thing is like, how many cookies can we shove in this beer? Um, and, and I do allow my staff to sort of go and get crazy with the Firkins because those are the types of beers that I'll never put out into like commercial distribution into like our couple States that we're in. Um, so they're, they're just, a, it's just a really, really cool program. Sometimes if we could get some food trucks in, or we blast some live concerts onto like the projection screens, uh, we'll do that as well. So anything that we could do on first working Fridays, uh, just, a, it's just a ton of fun to come out on that day. Sam, what do you think about putting cookies and beer? <laughs> I'm pro cookies and beer, not on your websites. <laughs> you gotta tell me more. Come on, Sam. You got to roll with this one. <laughs> Cookies and beer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of an early one uh, that we did with cookies. Um, no, I mean, we started like our first kind of dessert-inspired beer was '96. We did Imward Ale, which had uh, maple syrup from my family's for, for farm in Western Massachusetts, and and sliced open, you know, Madagascar vanilla beans. So it was a vanilla maple kind of uh sati sort of a scandinavian sati a juniper berries kind of a sati meets the barley wine so uh, you know we've been we've been having some fun with dessert centric ingredients for you know over about uh, over a quarter quarter of a century now that's great jamie uh, sam's not going to stay that long but um do you have a question for him i bet you do I have a ton of questions for him, honestly, but <laughs> I don't have all day. Let's go with it. You got time for it. Let's go. 
Oh man. So um shit. I don't even know. You put me on the spot. Sam, I just want to say that you actually have been a huge influence on on me and Forgotten Boardwalk throughout the years. I have actually met you a few times and uh I remember coming down to you for every year for my business partner's birthday, uh, for Analoga Gogo. And uh, I remember you turned to me and you you said something to the effect of you just released positive contact, right? And it was in six bottles. And then inside there was a vinyl. And I feel like it was a uh, God, who was the, 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 the musician whose vinyl that you gave away? Do you remember? Yeah, it was Deltron thirty thirty and uh, and you know Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Dan the Automator. Dan the Automator. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember you you turned to me and I bought a box of this and um, you said I taped this all day yesterday, <laughs> and uh, I kind of smiled and I was like you're you're you came and you were like yeah we didn't really have a way to like tape these boxes together so we were all hands on deck taping them together. And I think I remember that, like that being the first time, being like, I guess I'm going to be taping things for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so, and I bet, I bet you still are. I mean, they say, you know, and Chris, I'm sure can speak to this too. But when you're an entrepreneur, you wear a lot of hats, and some of them are cool, flamboyant hats, and some of them are beat the shit, like duct tape covered hard hats. You know? Yeah, it was cool, and like everything that Forgotten Boardwalk sort of like you. you, you do does at this point with like everything from the vinyl records to we do our own vinyl record show analog and go go sort of influence that so like thanks for you know kind of caving away and kicking some ass for for younger brewers like me to come in and pretend we're cool no that's very kind jamie i know we're all we each stand on different shoulders of different giants so i think of for me ken grossman and jim cook and the beer writer michael jackson were sort of my my you know touchstone so thank you very much you're welcome so i don't have a question for you i just wanted to sort of like you know gloat all over you so (laughs) that was amazing very now i know what what's what was analog or go-go sam so yeah that's our uh annual where we invite and i'm sure chris remembers the great indie record store other music that was kind of i think in the shadow of Tower Records, the last location in down by Soho, I think. And uh, so so records like other records and record stores from other cities, Baltimore, Richmond, Chicago, uh, we invite them out every fall and we set up a beer thing. And that's why it was so cool to hear Jamie talk about still doing cask beer because uh, it's about analog beer part, you know, put next to analog music. So each indie record store has a booth at an outdoor tent and we put different firkins of small batch beers on, on tap, you know, next to each booth and people are sipping and flipping through vinyl. And then, you know, we've had like Bill to Spill and Guy by Voices and different bands play our stage. Uh, uh, Mos Def, uh, I know Chris is familiar with with him, Taylor Quali. So, so both, you know, with different musicians played our stage and then we do the the record kind of swap with music the same weekend wow it's funny that you mentioned other music i used to live right near there uh chris did you ever go to other music or were there any record stores that you remember uh that's definitely a whole bunch of record stores that uh you know obviously closed down which is a big uh you know reason why record store day is so important because so many great record stores closed down in new york city um but i i'm off camera to do show and tell because you know, ninety minute was a, gate, a gateway beer in my in my twenties, which was many years ago. Um, and like when I was starting Beer Wax, and just kind of in the you know, 
dreaming phase when I saw this poster. It's hard to make out, but I know Sam sees it. It's the record store day poster, Dogfish Head, yeah. from 2015. So this hung in my basement as I was getting everything ready to start Beer Wax. And I was reading your book and, and just knowing that someone in craft beer is also focused on trying to cultivate and keep this you know record culture alive um, was just a big deal and a huge inspiration for me. So I'm also giving you flowers as well. So thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Uh, that's awesome, Christian. You pulled pull that up. That wore my heart. The artist that did that was, uh, I think, uh, uh, Mark Spusta did that. And I found him because he did one of my favorite uh, Dinosaur Jr. record covers. And I was doing sales in Hawaii last week and I was wearing a Dinosaur oh, Jr. Cool. <laughs> shirt. And a uh, person came up to me at my event and they're like, oh, you're wearing that because you're going to see them tonight? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, the original Dinosaur Jr. True is playing on Maui tonight. So it was like, Destiny, I got to see one of my favorite <laughs> fans because I happened to be wearing their T-shirt so that cool. night. So, so as Jimmy Jimmy said, good music and good beer are kind of you know are mutually informing each other every day. You know, this is so so cool. I, I mean, I was thinking music. You know, every bar or pub I'm in, there, there's good music playing. And I think a lot about, I guess, as analog because I remember when I used to know what music was playing, and there's a lot of there's a lot of streaming and usually when i'm out i have no idea what what the music is these days um i don't know what you guys think about that but um you should keep talking sam <laughs> i mean seriously like these other these other kids are are kids and uh you know you're a legend one, one thing that i always admire about you is you're always enthusiastic and then whether you're meeting retailers or bar owners or other brewers um you 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 know how to treat people right. Um, is is there a secret that you could share with with some of the up and coming brewers that are that are just starting to make it big? Yeah, and and, and then Jamie can share with her decade of experience as a brewer too, and Chris, you know, from the other side of the bar. But you know, I've always said the, the craft brewing industry is ninety nine percent asshole free, and I know you know that that. Uh, Certainly, there have been cases in the last seven or eight years where some folks have done inappropriate things, but I, I'd say our percentages are still disproportionately great for lack of assholes compared to many, you know, professional communities that are also really art, 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 art first and, and commerce second uh, communities. Um, and I think it comes from, you know, the, the, the fact that we're still outsiders, right? I mean, 10,000 craft breweries in America, but we still only have like 14 or 15% market share. So we're still the little guys and the outsiders. And, you know, Chris talked about hip hop being the, the genre that he grew up on. And I just mentioned uh, Dinosaur Jr. And I think the punk movements and hip hop movements have so much in common with the craft brewing movement in that all three are truly American art forms and all three kind of came up together, you know, if hip hop's 50 years old, I think, you know, Liberty Anchor, Anchor started about 45 years ago and Sierra Nevada around 40 years ago. So, uh, you know, and, and, they, and then you look at when the Ramones and stuff was going off in New York, these are three art forms that grew up together and kind of started out on the periphery. They were niches that, you know, that kind of grew in this grassroots manner with people making their own gig posters and driving, you know, from gig to gig in their own vans. That's, you know, I'm sure how Jamie started self-distributing or small and getting the word out with, with crafty events and, and uh, 
you know, I just think those art forms just uh, have so much in common. And, and uh, that's part of why I'm so proud to be part of the, the kind of indie craft brewing uh, community. That's a great analogy. So it's like, like in the old days, the record stores were the outlet for the musicians, you know, beer bars and retail stores were really the outlet for all the new craft beer, right? Yeah, if I was in Boston and I'd be driving up to Chris's to, to get into the, the metal scene up there tonight. <laughs> hey, Chris, um, you know, more about the Japanese record bar. You know, we've had John a couple of times to talk about that, but um, how is the relationship, you know, as a customer there for the drinks and the music? And like, what's the experience like that you were trying to replicate with your record bar? Yeah, I think one thing, you know, that Sam just said in terms of just, you know, these three things, whether it's hip hop, punk, and also and also craft beer really kind of developing and, and flourishing at the same time. Uh, you know, there are so many similarities between analog music or the discovery of vinyl or digging for records and finding a new beer or, you know, a bartender recommending something that they have never, like a customer, like, oh, what is an old beer? And one of our bartenders explaining and having them taste that. And that could really kind of like, you know, pique someone's interest to discover other beers. And that was my own process of, you know, being put onto craft beer many years ago. So there's so many similarities of trying to find that exclusive record or that hard to find gem with finding, you know, that beer that's not just a whale of a beer, but sometimes it's just a style that is a new discovery to folks. So I think that's one thing that we do that's side by side that I, I just really love. That's great. Hey, Jamie, you, you have a new beer, music-inspired beer coming out. Will you tell us about that? The the, the Johnny Tart uh, Rose Ale? So the Johnny, the Johnny is like my marquee music-inspired beer for sure. Um, it was really important for me um, as a woman-owned, queer-owned brewery to showcase bands, artists, musicians that are female-fronted or members of the LGBT community that are just kind of kicking musical ass. So um, the Johnny is based off of St. Vincent, whose real name is Annie Clark. And she's just this guitar shredding, shape-shifting musical vixen. Um, she's never the same character twice, uh, similar to like how David Bowie uh, was, you know, Ziggy Stardust. Um, so we did this beer in 2022. Uh, it was a, very much based on St. Vincent's record, Daddy's Home, which is kind of this like very sleazy, laid-back groove, 70s-inspired work. Um, for some odd reason in the 70s, uh, art didn't really have much color. It was very based in muted tones and mustard greens. And um, so that that can actually didn't really match the style of the beer, which is a tart rosé ale, which is brewed with hibiscus, rose hips, rose petals, uh, raspberries, strawberries. So like it, we had this like one beer can that kind of was like dark and inspired by the 70s, but it really worked for St. Vincent's record. Um, I decided that this year I had to rework the art direction for the 2023 beer release because putting out the exact same beer label design would be a complete disservice to St. Vincent. Uh, she never appears the same way twice, so that label had to sort of evolve with her personas. At least that is what I'm telling myself, and I'm telling all the people involved at Forgotten Boardwalk is the reason that I'm spending a small fortune on it. 
So don't tell anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's a really, really cool beer. The Johnny, we decided to name it the Johnny because she has this character on just about all of her records uh, named John. And it was kind of like this moment to me. I was like, who the heck is John? And now we're into like character development upon character development upon character development. But um, the beer itself is delightful. And then like, I love that every year I can sort of like re dive into her music and go back a record and I put it on and I spin it through and I have the beer and I'm like, all right, what do I want to say? What is she saying? And how do I redesign this can? So um, yeah, it's, it's one of the more fun projects that I have. And I love that it's sort of an avant-garde beer uh, just because she is herself just such an avant-garde persona. Are you the brewer, Jamie, or do you have a brewer? I have a brewer. I have a brewer. Uh, I don't brew. So um, my brewer here is a gentleman named uh, Gordon Grubb, and uh, he came from – this is going to be a blast from the past from all of you guys. He came from a little brewery in Philadelphia called Nodding Head. Oh, wow. Uh, so Gordon Grubb, is, I don't know how many World Beer Cup medals and GABF medals this gentleman has. He kind of created the Berliner Weiss style in Philadelphia. Like he he made it a thing again in PA. Um, so right around COVID time, um, there was a lot of shifting and uh, he kind of came on board with us and he, he's been here for the past couple of years brewing for us. I was there about ten years ago. It's it's a, it's a second floor, isn't it? Yeah, you not, have to walk yeah. walk upstairs in an old building. Yep. In Philly. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's an. It, I've had the Berliner Weiss too. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a very cool beer. Um, he, I'm fortunate enough that he's actually brewing it here now at Forgotten Boardwalk, a very similar version of that Berliner Weiss. Um, but like he was, you know, Gordon is is a part of that like first wave generation of brewers that like came out right around that time, like the victories and like. Um, and he's just such a cool, eccentric brewer also. Um, and it, it goes really well and it bodes really well for us because I like classic style so much. So like, and so does he. So it's really easy for us to jive. So you're Cherry Hill. So that's really a Philly scene. We are definitely a Philly scene. So uh, we're seven miles outside of Philadelphia. So a hop, skip and a jump, really. Oh, yeah. Sam, um, just the last one with you, Philly. So you're, you know, Delaware, Dogfish Head. Um, how important was was Philly f- for you as as you were growing? Yeah, I mean, we we would not be here today. Dogfish would have gotten bank. We opened in '95. I think we would have gotten bankrupt in '99 or 2000 if it wasn't for Philly. Because while you know we're lucky enough to be two hours, you know, pickup truck would my first delivery vehicle, two hour pickup truck drive from DC, Baltimore, Philly three and a half from Manhattan. So coming up in the 90s, we kind of were considered re- relatively local to all all four of those cities before a ton of other breweries, you know, open. And But Philly was the only state that was COD where the distributor had to pay you when you delivered the beer. And there was more than one occasion where like the bank was ready to call my loan unless I showed up at their door the next day with a check. So I would drive three pallets up to Philly, get a check and uh, and, and come home party with Gordo and Kurt and the gang at Nottingham. So definitely tell, 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 tell Gordo I said hello and, uh, and come home. But yeah, Philly was super important uh, to our, our trajectory as a, as a brand. Um, 
but all four of the cities we 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 love we have a great love for and being located in coastal Delaware kind of you know in a radius near all of them has been really important to to our brand and our, our brewery. Jamie. Oh, Sam, I just wanted to tell you. I would tell Gordon that you said hello, um, but just before warned, he's still a grump. <laughs> he was the grumpy brewer then, and I'm glad to hear he's the grumpy uh, brewer he now. Still, he still has the nickname, <laughs> Gordon the Grump. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like one of the seven dwarfs. It's a kind-hearted it, sort of It really piece. is, but every once in a while I look at him, I'm just like, what are you grouchy about, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sam, you know, you know people, but back to Philly, so... Philly Beer Week, so it's New York City Beer Week this week. Um, I remember when that all started, and it had been inspired by Philly Beer Week. Um, do you have anything to say about Philly Beer Week, the early days, any any great memories? Yeah, I, I remember being, I think, in the, the front room with uh, Tom from Monks and Fergie. Uh, I was on the original founding board of the, of the Philly Beer Week. Uh, Don Russell, who wrote as Joe Sixpack. I think Mark Edelson from uh, uh, Iron Hill was on that first board. And I, and I, I just remember, yeah, us having pretty humble, you know, aspirations for it. And, uh, and then basically, you know, inviting brewers from around the world to kind of drop their specialty beers on, in Philly on that day. And I think it really did, Philly was already a super cool food town. And because we kind of had kind of the last era of, some regional breweries, like you think of Ortlieb's or Yingling. I think we had a, a special like affinity for beers outside of Bud Bill and Coors, even in that era. Uh, so I think Philly was just uniquely positioned at that moment in time to be, you know, to explode with 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 not just breweries, but for uh, the local residents coming out in droves to support, you know, a themed a themed week all around beer before that was a thing and it's so cool to see that uh you know you know gaining you know traction in 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 great great cities like new york as well that's great chris did you ever go down to philly beer week um unfortunately no i haven't been i went i went a couple times about about 10 years ago and i I saw the great energy and uh i remember that really inspired some of the early folk uh for new york at the time new york craft beer week so it's pretty cool. Um, hey, I got to jump, guys. I wish I could stay on with you guys, but I promise my, my wife I'm going to meet her for dinner here. So this has been super fun. Keep on rocking in a free world, you guys. Good, Thanks, good Sam. Chat, Thanks, everybody. Sam. Thanks so Bye. much. And listen, we're actually going to take a short break, too, so we'll be back in a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. 
Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Join us, become a member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Wow, we're having the coolest Beer Week episode ever. We've got Chris Meister from Beer Wax and uh, Jamie from Forgotten Boardwalk in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And Sam Claudion was just on. How can you, of course, we're talking music and Sam from Dogfish Head comes on and we learned a lot about him. Jamie, I, I, I want you to tell us about Sam and music and analog go-go and, and how that inspired you. Yeah. Um, so, and I was only partially kidding that I was like drunk one day at Sam Caligiuan's brewery. And I was just like, you know what? This is really great. I get to like drink beer and like shop vinyls. And like, I like declared it and I was like, and so let it be written. <laughs> um, it's a great idea. A, re- a record, record store sale at a brewery with with beers yeah and uh we do that we do a pop-up shop here uh once a year we um my friends run uh the asbury park punk rock flea market which is obviously in asbury park but we are approximately an hour away from there so i i called them up i was like you have any interest in coming and doing this in the winter time down at forgotten boardwalk um every year we do this event it's called the spice of life and we try to celebrate and bring in as much things that make life worth living and for me one of those things is actually music um but my business partner seth he actually donated his kidney successfully to his mother about 17 years ago so we do this spice of life event with the beer with the pop-up record shop in support of raising awareness for organ donation on top of it um, and we donate a whole ton of money to the National Kidney Foundation and the Gift of Life program. Uh, so it, it's like a really cool way for, and for me, it's also a little selfish. I get to have all these like vinyl record dealers kind of like haul in a whole bunch of records and I get to sift through them first and buy them all out. So no one can come here and get a Pearl Jam rarity. Like it's not going to happen. It's not going to be here. It's already going to be with me in my office. Um but uh, Sam Sam was doing all these like just really great things and like Dogfish Head was doing all these really great things. And for me from New Jersey, it wasn't that far to hop in a car and then travel down to Dogfish Head and like spend the weekend right next to the brew pub at that little motel that's right there. Um, have good food, have good drinks, have the beach right there. Um, and it was just something that I wanted to take. It was an ethos about that event that I took very much to heart and brought with me to Forgotten Boardwalk. And we we are like the music brewery now. We're the only people that are sort of doing it. And it's just a ton of fun. Wow, we definitely got to go there. And then, so you, tell us where you're selling. You're selling in New Jersey and and Pennsylvania? Yeah, so we go from tip-to-tip self-distribution in New Jersey. We go from Bergen County all the way down to Cape May County. Um, and we're launching, we launched into PA, but we backed out of the market um, a couple years back just because the demand for the New Jersey side got a little too high for us. Um, and we couldn't really supply enough. So we're now d- going right back into the PA market space, uh, which we're excited about. Uh, we're excited to be one of the breweries taking on some expansions this year. So you'll be able to find us in Philadelphia and all the suburbs again. Oh, that's good. And then what, what about music shows and things? I mean, do, do you go out 
and get involved in marketing with with indie music events? Uh, not too too much. I mean, so my my friends who do the punk rock flea market every once in a while have some like indie shows that they're doing. We did a beer with this really great up and coming band in the New Jersey indie scene. They're called Dogs in a Pile, and like they are the second coming of Fish. I know that's a big statement, but um they they just like wail they're so good they're like six berkeley kids um that live in new jersey who like just are so proficient at their instruments so we try to support them a lot in the indie music scene so uh every time that they come and they do a show whether it's at the stone pony or at salty's beach bar um they got an opportunity to play at see her now with a ton of like great acts last year so Every time they come around, we try to put the beer back out to sort of like shout about it. I always say like, you know, beer and music, especially with us, you know, we're a great way of kind of promoting music as well. You know, it's cool because we can get musicians such as Dogs in a Pile on a shelf, right? And I know that doesn't sound all that wild, but think about it this way. Dogs in a Pile is a small little indie band who probably doesn't really have a physical presence in terms of like output, right? Um, the one nice thing about beer is it's still analog and, and you can't stream it, you can't download it. And if the metaverse just stays away from it, it's still going to be cool for years, <laughs> right? And you're not going to triple, you can, uh, what is it called? 3D print it? You can't 3D print it. It's not going to be good. So we still have this like really great way of like, it has to be on a physical shelf and there's still that discovery. Um, So what we love the most about at least what dogs in a pile is that we get to like put their songs on our cans and, and get it onto a physical shelf. And people who are fans of forgotten boardwalk are now like clicking into their music and like really, really being involved in the visual of the band, which, you know, for me growing up was really important. That's why we love music so much. We got to go and like pick up vinyl records and like see them and see what the band looked like. And now, now it's all digital. <laughs> All right. What the one title that stood out for me of your beers? The best bitter it says I don't. Is it I don't like Mondays? I hate Mondays. I hate Mondays. <laughs> oh man, that is actually a hundred percent a staff name. My names uh, for the beers are generally like much longer, like what the butler saw. Um, but the the staff name the, the the beer I hate Mondays. Um, and then they have another one that they want to name Dad Jokes. So I, I just let them have it. It makes them so happy to make small batch beers and like name them whatever the heck they want to. <laughs> wow! And so in New Jersey, so I can go to your brewery and I can can I get a pint of beer? Can I get beer to go? What can I actually buy in New Jersey in a craft brewery these days? Yeah, it's not that restrictive, uh, fortunately. Uh, there's other areas in which New Jersey is way more restrictive uh, in terms of music and events and trivia and bingo. So ways that we could draw guests in are like generally the more restrictive things that New Jersey puts regulations onto for some odd reason. But in terms of like pints, uh, there's really, you know, no limit except for the limit that like we sort of self-imposed, you know, for your own safety. Um, and then to go, I think it's a, a keg. So you're allowed to take home seven cases of beer, um, which, you know, I never really had that problem where someone came in and we're just like, you know what I need? <laughs> So, um, oh, wow. yeah, and so we're allowed to sell a lot of the beer. We have a great little tap room here. It has, you know, two skee-ball machines, some vintage uh, palm reading games that you would find back in the turn of the century. 
so it, it's pretty cool. We tried to steer away from being too uh, digital. So we, we don't have a ton of TVs up and we, we're not really the sports bar. So we are the very analog spot to come and hang. That's cool. I, I like to go out and, and drink and talk, not have to watch TV all the time. Yeah, you can do that at home, right? We all did that for all of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Chris, you, so beer and music. Let's bring it all together because you're to me your your last name is Maestro, but you are the Maestro. You've really grown a lot, and you know you've got two beer waxes in New York City. I can't believe that Sam Claudione was born right near you. I had no Queens. idea that this is a revelation <laughs> to me too. <laughs> Love That's it. why he's on the show. He wanted to tell us that. No, that's great. I don't think no, he's ever been, said he was from Queens. I don't. I've read his books before, and I never knew that. So that's incredible to find out today. And to be on this podcast with Jamie, uh, Jamie, you're inspiring. Your journey is very inspiring. Um, and I love the passion for music and everything you've done, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, Chris, how about just, uh, we don't have that much time. Tell us about tonight again. So some of the characters that are going to be, I love, I love Beer Week. And I just love what you do at Beer Wax. So Thank DJ you. Dirty Santa. Yes, he is. T- tell us some of the names of, of the yeah. people playing. Because I know who was, DJ Dirty Santa yes. is. Yeah, a lot of people know. He, Patrick's been, uh, Pat's been in the industry for a while. He's now with Alewife. Um, he, along with uh, Adam at Rock and Roll from Fifth Hammer, and, and Tony Bellis uh, from KCBC, uh, will be uh, making everyone's faces melt tonight. So, uh, yeah, it's just something that we really look forward to. The tone of the whole bar is just electric. And a lot of folks in the industry really like metal. And, and it's not just, you know, listen, you can like, like myself. Um, I actually always do uh, a video playing some kind of Metallica song. Or I think I did also uh, Black Sabbath one year leading up to this uh, big event. Uh, but this year I was able to to rope in my daughter, who's 10, to play drums. So we played Am I Evil by Metallica uh, and posted it to kind of just hype up this event tonight. Uh, so, yeah, we can't wait. We have another event on Thursday with Aurora, um, and we had a, a big kickoff event on Friday. So, you know, New York City Beer Week really is like the bring us back to life after dry January event, you know, week. So uh, we always look forward to it because this is really the, the time that we see the turnaround for us in terms of, like, uh, lagging sales, you know, from the winter months. Yeah. Well, I see, I see the next generation, just the last few years of, of what beer week is, you know, there's opening bash, which is really like the preeminent beer festival in New York city. But then all the, all the really good beer bars and retail shops are doing such cool stuff. Like what you're doing. Um, some, somebody was doing cage, a cage battle where it was like a couple different breweries came in the bar and it was like, who could sell the most beer? I think it's yeah. In, I think it's Covenhoven. Yeah, Covenhoven does that. Yeah, Covenhoven. Yeah, yeah. They it's an awesome event. So that's a lot of pop culture influenced uh, concepts there. You know, um, that's, yeah, wow. that's great. And when I talked to Jamie, when I when I was reading your notes, what I realized is that other than the word Bruce Springsteen, I didn't know any of the musicians that you were talking about, <laughs> and I don't really know any of the musicians that that uh, Sam was talking about. Not that it's my age, it's just, it's just about, you know, well, I think it's probably the same thing with craft beer, where there's so many craft breweries now, I don't know most of them, and it's the same with music. And, and that's, 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 that's what I love, you know? 
there's always something new to discover, so many different genres and styles. Um, so Chris, if you had to um, like pick pick a music theme for Beer Week, you already did with this metal night, but um, another night that other people would join in. What's like a genre of music that you feel like would represent Beer Week in New York City? That's hmm. a weird question, but why not? Why not? Um, you know what? New York City. It's like picking a movie theme. I know exactly. I mean, I listen. If we're talking about New York City, and and I know you know it's the easy default for me anyway. But you know, New York City's uh, you know is born in here, born raised. You know, is hip hop right uh, uh, from the Bronx? So to do something that's hip hop themed for Beer Week, especially for for the 50th anniversary, would have been amazing. And I guess I I missed the boat on that, but uh, I think that's what would really work nicely. Jamie, what about for you for like Philly Beer Week? Just to stick with the Beer Week theme. Oh man. Uh you're the director of, of music for Philly Beer Week. <laughs> if I'm the director What's your musical theme? You know, I would probably just try to pick in like the almost the same way, you know, hip hop was was New York. I, I'm not really sure if if Philadelphia like spawned too much of its own genre, right? That that's a big statement, you know? Um, but I would probably try to craft or, or cultivate a, a scene where there was like really great and such distinct different artists, but all the Philly artists, right? So everything down to Pink, who came from Philadelphia, to Mount Joy, to the War on Drugs. I would I would try uh, to Boys to Men. I would try to keep the entire theme very based of born and bred because the people in Philadelphia they they. They don't like you and they don't care. You don't like them and they don't care. So uh, <laughs> I would try to keep the theme very, very much about Philly itself. Oh, that's great. Well, um, you know, this, Jennifer's on the show. Jennifer, I know for a long time, you've represented a lot of beer brands. And um, I have. Is there one thing that we should ask? Well, you can ask Jamie, <laughs> but there's a question that we didn't ask her that, that we should. Yeah, I guess, well, this is probably a question for everyone. Um, what is on heavy rotation right now? And what are you pairing with it? So what beer or beverage are you having with that that record that's just yeah. always showing up on your player lately? Good one. That's a very good one. For me, it's, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's De La Soul. We just lost Plug 2, Dave, uh, a.k.a. Trugoy. Um one of the founding members of De La Soul uh, passed away quite recently. Uh, it's impacted a lot of folks, including myself. So I'm trying to think. It would probably be like, you know what? I would say 120 minute uh, because it's so strong. <laughs> and I want to kind of just drink away the blues uh, with his passing. That's super special. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Jamie? Um, well, minus whatever, everything that I've just recently just said, uh, I'm really digging this, this artist, his name is Curtis Harding. Um, he's got this really great site, uh, site, sixties uh, psychedelic sound, um, very guitar driven, very bluesy. Um, so I, he's in my heavy rotation right now. I can't get enough of him. Um, and I think I would be pairing that with like a really large stout, uh, because I think he's a slow sipper and, um, yeah, <laughs> a slow sipper. 
I think, yeah, I always think whenever I create a beer for like at least a music or an artist, it's always like, oh, if I could drink this artist, what would they be? And for me, St. Vincent was a very avant-garde and Bruce Springsteen for me was a lager, you know, something that he definitely would have been like drinking back in like the 70s in his heyday. But, you know, for, for me with Curtis Harding, I think he's a slow sipper. He's one of those like nightcaps, you know, you, you throw on the vinyl record, you're with like a significant other and you, you have some one big bottle of share and you throw on his tunes. I love that. <laughs> All right. Jennifer, what about you since you asked the question? Jennifer Henry, PR person. Yes. Yeah, Jen Henry, PR person, um, and actually used to do PR for, for Dogfish and Coney Island and now Forgotten Boardwalk. So definitely full circle on this episode. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of Lucius lately. Um, they're a duo. I'm not sure where they're from, but they're like sort of pop kind of genreless. Um, they've covered a bunch of, uh, really great bands in the past. Um, and what am I drinking lately? Oh gosh. So I'm in Portland. So I've been drinking Bissell Brothers, of course. Um, but yeah. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll answer the last one too. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, what about you? So I listened to out of Newark, New Jersey, which is which is actually something I listen to every day on on streaming. I listen to WBGO, which is the greatest jazz, it's a public radio station, the greatest jazz show, a radio show in America. I listen to it almost every day at some time of the day, and um, it's like I'm usually not drinking when I'm when I'm listening to it, but um, I, I would say I'm just thinking of something bright and fresh. Um, that, that that picks me up. Um, I'd probably say an IPA, something that I just, and that's that's what it makes me. If you guys don't know, w, I don't usually pitch other radio stations, but <laughs> you don't know WBGO. You, it, it's a Newark-based public radio station, but it does stream, and it really is. It's it's really it's one of those things in the pandemic that actually reinvented and, and even got better. And if you ever just want everything from Latin jazz to to just favorites and um, it's got really cool R&B on the weekends and gospel music. So um, I can't think of a better radio station um, to plug. And uh, that would be a cool one to figure out what we should drink when we listen to WBGO. But <laughs> um, everyone's going to think I'm crazy, but that's what I listen to. So you guys, Jennifer, thanks it. for uh, organizing the show. Jamie, such a pleasure to to, to, to meet you and, and to, to learn about your brewery. And Chris Maestro, my friend. Beer wax, brother. Go and go have some fun with DJ Dirty Santa tonight. I definitely will. <laughs> Thanks for everything. All right. Thank you so, much, so much for having guys. us, everyone. Oh yeah, I'm definitely got to come down to Cherry Hill to to, to visit you, Jamie. And um, big shout out to our engineer Armin Spengen, who's also, I believe, in music, but but we know him as the the uh, very competent audio engineer. So thank you, Armin, for everything you do. And I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here, Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time. Thanks to Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head for joining us as well. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.